time to die. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. We're back after what may be sort of a mini summer hiatus. Melody Akles, welcome. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome back. It's been a Hello. while since we chatted. <laughs> Glad to be here, Luke. <laughs> Dan, it's been even longer than I th- it, since we've talked with you. Yes, it has been a minute. How's it going? A hot minute, because summer is hot. Okay, that's a bad joke. Um, One thing that has not been very hot this summer is the actual number of movies I've wanted to see. One of the things that I've been really disappointed with this summer is the fact that both movie theater, like geek movies that I've been interested in, and geek television has been very lacking. Like, we kicked off great with, like, the Avengers in May, but then by June, it was just petering out and we limped into July and August. And I'm like, this has been a disappointing summer for me as a sci-fi and fantasy fan. Mel, how's it, how has it been for you? I've been feeling the same way, like movie wise and TV wise. I, I really enjoyed, um, stranger things. I thought that was great. I watched a little bit of the boys on Amazon. I haven't seen it all, but I mean, I enjoyed what I saw, but really it's been the non-sci-fi, non-fantasy kind of things that have been tying me up all summer. So it's been a little bit of a letdown. Mo, how has this summer been for you? Yeah, so definitely on the movie front, I've been fairly disappointed because, quite frankly, uh, the last movie I've seen in theaters was Spider-Man Far From Home. And really... The next you know, movie that I'm kind of I'm really looking forward to is the Downton Abbey movie that comes out in a few weeks. Right. But but on the television front, you know, it's 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 a bit of a catch up for me in terms of like new shows. Um, you know, I've, I've I've been enjoying the uh, the Gotham prequel series Pennyworth and um, a few other things. But and I did watch a, I've watched half of the boys and I've, I've enjoyed that. But. There hasn't been usually. I feel like three or four nights a week, it's like geek shows I can watch. But I haven't really felt like that this summer. I, I would overall give it like a, a B B minus C C plus. See, I'm thinking C minus. The one thing that I one show that I did find um, that I really enjoyed was Good Omens on Amazon. I thought it was really enjoyable. It it had the English sensibilities that I enjoyed. It had David Tennant, who is my all time favorite doctor, and it was just a pleasure. But it like as television goes, it didn't really make up for the like the overall lack of stuff. I do need to catch up on Stranger Things. My problem with Stranger Things is I didn't watch season two, which I heard was a little bit wobbly. And so even though I've heard season three is really good. I, I have to still get through season two to watch season three, and I'm not sure if it's worth it. Dan, how was this summer for you? Uh, I, I've i sort of enjoyed 
this more as a break than looking at it as a disappointment because with, with the way the CW functions, I'm watching five superhero shows a, a week, and th- th- that's a lot. Um, so like the summer is really nice, you know, having this little break and stuff like that. And as far as movies go, I've seen a ton of movies that have like geek elements to them. Like the, the premise to yesterday with the, you know, everyone forgets the Beatles during a blackout, you know, that technically has geek elements. It has has a sci-fi element. It has a sci-fi element. Uh, w- once upon so a time, basically, what you're saying is you watched a lot of geek adjacent. Yes, once upon a time in Hollywood is h- historical fiction, which is you know consuming that type of history could be considered a geeky endeavor. Wait, 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 wait. Let's back up for a second. I will give you, I will give you something like Inglorious Bastards, which is t- t- like set in an alternate reality. This is an but, alternate. Re- this is how, pretty alternate. How how alternate reality is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I am have not watched it, so I'm just asking this question for clarification purposes. I was under the impression that it was more of a fictitious depiction of actual events versus an alternate universe because I mean, inglorious bastards is, is an alternate universe it is a it is a fictitious depiction of alternate events uh as far as the ending goes uh but i i would say consuming that type of hit history is a geeky endeavor in the traditional sense because you're actively going toward something historical and I don't know. By that by that definition, the Patriot with Mel Gibson. I haven't seen it. So is I, a geeky I, show. I, no, I'm just I'm I'm joking. But like, I would I guess I'd, I'll have to watch the film to see if I agree with you, Dan. But I'm highly skeptical about. I mean, I'm a, sometimes you <laughs> tend to stretch the definition of things. So well, touche, touche, Mel. But I don't usually stretch it quite that far. But uh, we shall see. Um, With it, it's fine. In terms of television, I really enjoyed uh, Stranger Things season three, Uh, and I'm currently watching. It's not like it. I've watched a lot of shows that aren't geeky, per se, like Succession. Uh, which is the new season is hilarious. Yes, uh, I love Succession. Yes, <laughs> that is my show. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so good. I think good. that may be the most excited we've ever heard Mo get. I'm just okay. saying. I'm like, huh? Got to put it on my list now. Uh, oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Okay. You you guys need to watch Succession. It yeah. is it is rich people BS in the funniest way. Of just like you also told us to watch a show on ABC that may now be getting a Disney Plus remake. That um, so I take your recommendations with a giant grain of salt. I'm sorry, Luke. You're the one that told us to watch. What was that Uh, show? I told you to watch Timeless. Inhumans. I'm talking about you and Inhumans. You were the one who wanted us to watch it. Uh, no, okay. no, 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 no. That, like, go back and listen to the podcast. Me and Mel were very skeptical about this uh-huh. whole endeavor. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Uh, yeah, okay. I got the receipts. You got receipts. Well, it's I always got receipts. good. It's always good to have a receipt. Let's talk. I got a, receipts. Let's talk a little bit about um, some news that has happened over the summer. Uh, we have a new name for the next James Bond movie, James Bond Twenty Five. It's No Time to Die. The teaser for that or the reveal was very fun. There was also some casting news. Lashana Lynch is going to be playing a 007 in the film. Now, um, there has been some question as to what her status will be in movies going forward. You sort of have to cut through a lot of the stuff because it w- this was originally reported through the Daily Mail. So, and But in other industry sites have reported that she's going to be in the film it's just still unclear as to what her role after this film is going to be so she's going to be playing a 007 she may or may not be a love interest for james bond there is no determination as to whether or not she will be the james next james bond because that has not been stated mo what did you think of this well you know i'm i'm of i feel like I'm glad that she is the new 007, not the new James Bond. Because remember, historically, we know that James Bond inherited that number, the 007 number, from somebody else. So it's handed, it's a mantle that's handed on to other people. So I'm perfectly fine with that. Personally, I hope she is not a love interest. I hope James, if James Bond comes back to the service, he gets his number back, and Lashana Lynch, uh, Lynch stays on for future films. She gets assigned another number. Uh, I think. See, and that's and that was the reason why I had to like try and sift through like what's fact and what's rumor. So there was an article on Vox um, where they broke down the whole thing and they said and their deter- their like coverage of it was the rumor mill has yet to spoil whether Lynch's character survives to the end of the film. But the gossip in- emphasizes that rather than being placed in the center of the action, she's also framed as a love interest for Bond. Well, I, I, you know, we'll see on that because one of the writers of of this of the the uh, Bond twenty five, yeah, it's twenty five, is uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, and Phoebe Waller Bridge is one of the she wrote the she helped write the first season of Killing Eve, and um, is an executive producer on Killing Eve. And the award-winning show on Amazon, Fleabag. Okay, so I trust Phoebe Waller-Bridge to have some sort of twist. I don't think she's going to come to this, given her credits. Her credits. If you've watched some of her stuff, if you've seen her as actress, I don't think she would fall into that. Allow this character to fall into that traditional love interest trap. We have seen it too many times. Okay. And. You know, and I and and yeah, just quite frankly, I I think hopefully the character will stick around as as a, as a different double O. Mel, um, not to speak for all black women, but as the black woman on this podcast, what did you think of this casting? Look, if there is any instance where there is a black woman in a position to get a better role to break through any kind of glass ceiling, to just do her thing and do her black girl magic, I am always here for it. So when I heard the news about this, I was like, okay, I like where this is going. And at first they were like, oh, she's going to be a Bond girl. And I was like, hmm, okay, since Halle Berry, we really haven't. There was that other one. There was that other girl. 
that was a, a Bond girl, but not the point. Um, I was like, okay, I like where that's going. But then they came back and said, no, she's just going to be, you know, another agent. She's going to be another 007. I'm like, look, even better. I, I'm totally all about her in this movie. So get your coin, girl. Do your thing. Dan, what are your th- thoughts excited. on this? I'm, a, I'm really excited. I, I think it's a really smart way of writing it and seeing uh, seeing her in another iconic uh, franchise because she's, I mean, she's probably also booked for Captain Marvel 2. Like, you, you'd have to think Maria's coming back for Captain Marvel 2. Um I, you know, I'm pumped. I'm I'm really excited. I I really enjoy Bond movies. I you know they're corny, they're cheesy, they're formulaic. It is what it is. There there are a lot of dated and antiquated uh, parts to Bond movies, but it it it, it should be like a, a great blockbuster and a great chance for something new. Mo, the maybe the biggest news. Outside of Disney Plus and Disney just consuming our lives of the summer was the fact that Sony and Disney are splitting over Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is not going to be in the MCU going forward. What are your thoughts on this? Because Tom Holland's Spider-Man was sort of like him and Tony were the heart and soul of the, like the universe. And now we don't have Tony and now we're not going to have Spider-Man. How will we survive? Well, you know, I think we need to wait, take a deep breath. We need to pray. If you believe in prayer, power prayer. And I think we just need to sit back for a while. This, you know, sit could and be shiver. A Yes, because this could be a negotiation tactic. We don't know how this is going to play out because this is billions of dollars at stake. Okay, um, I think we just need to just to wait and see. I hope personally it they work they work out the issue. Okay, because it all boils down to money. So maybe you know Disney doesn't get the you know fifty fifty split that they were looking for, sixty forty or whatever they were looking for, but they get a little bit more um, in terms of the residuals. They're already getting the merchandising money off Spider-Man. Okay, so if if Sony is willing to give them a little bit more, a little bit more money, maybe they'll they'll allow uh, Disney will allow Peter to be back in the MCU. Okay, uh, because I think again he's been set up to be on this new Avengers team whenever that comes. Okay, it's it's clear as day. He is being positioned somewhere within this new Avengers team in the hierarchy. So hopefully things will work out. In the meantime, we have so many other Marvel films and Marvel shows that are going to be coming on the Disney Plus streaming service that, you know, this is a problem. This is a 2023 problem, 2024 problem. Okay, Uh, and I think there's more than enough time for people, for cooler heads to come back to the boardroom table because remember you know hopefully sony and i'll throw this out there um in terms of like for daytime confidential listeners is that hopefully sony has learned from their negotiations with miss michelle morgan on the young and the restless and if if if, and don't and don't kill the golden goose 
See, here's my thing about this. I keep trying to marry the idea of Tom Hardy's Venom and Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the Sony universe. And I really struggle with Tom Holland Spider-Man having to live in the very craptastic CGI world of Venom. Venom was a fun movie, but it was not a good movie. And the CGI on it was bad. I think and that's perspective, but that okay. Is, and, yes. and the last time that Venom showed up in the Spider-Man franchise back in the day, that was not the greatest movie. And so I'm just like... We, and then the two movies that were before Tom Holland, the first one was good, the second one was not... I just don't trust Sony with Spider-Man after having seen Disney be flawless with Tom Holland. Dan, you are apparently on an island, maybe of one, who believes that Sony getting Spider-Man back is a good thing. I, I, I'm kind of excited. I'm sorry. Okay, I... I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, but, like, I I don't necessarily care as much about the other, like, his relationship to the other Avengers. I, I just, I don't. Uh, I think Tom Holland does a great job, and I loved Venom, and I loved Tom Hardy's performance in Venom as Eddie Brock is probably my favorite performance of any actor that year. Uh, His performance was fun. Don't do not get me wrong. Like it was so Tom Tom Hardy in Venom was fantastic. But you have to admit that the CGI in that movie was bad. It was like pre Matrix CGI. I I think the 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 CGI in the final fight was bad. I I think that there there were good better moments of CGI than that final fight. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the CGI uh, in his apartment or the car chase, that wasn't bad. Um, okay. Anything within, in that so, store. But um, in, ter- in terms of Sony, the, I mean, the, the ship's already out of the harbor. Venom was successful enough to get a sequel being directed by Andy Serkis, and they got Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, and Woody Harrelson all back. Uh, we have, here's the other thing though. um, We have more, we have Morbius also in post-production at this point, which is a Spider-Man character, you know, with the, the, he's basically a plasma vampire. He's a Spider-Man villain, but he's getting his own solo movie, which I'm a little scared because Jared Leto, but I I do enjoy the Morbius storyline and it'll be a good way to, sorry. Let me ask you, let me ask you this then. If, because this is the next front. Now that they're like going separate ways, Deadline is reporting that Sony and Disney are going to be fighting over John Watts, who directed Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. If Disney wins out in that battle and we get Spider-Man with another, a different director, who it, are you concerned about that? I, I mean, it, it would be concerning from like a, a cohesion standpoint, but I, I do trust... Sony, like, 
Sony just got Andy Serkis for for this Venom too. The I mean, Sony is capable of finding a, a good director on their own. I I understand that you know having that rapport is important and stuff, but this could also give us a chance of getting something new. And I'm not I'm not necessarily as scared because Tom Holland, like. He's gone on record saying, you know, whatever happens, I'm making two more movies and I'm excited about being Spider-Man. That's because he's contractually obligated to say that. And No, I, the, I get that. The other, the other thing is we finally get the X-Men into the MCU under Disney and I am not going to get Wolverine and Spider-Man scenes. You weren't going to get them properly anyways. Hugh Jackman's not doing it. Well, like, but I'm not saying, well, well, in my ideal world without Hugh, Hugh Jackman, I would have loved if Tom Hardy was Wolverine. So it would have been like, if if they had kept Spider-Man and if Tom Hardy was not Venom, I might have gotten a Tom Hardy, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, Wolverine. I just... There, there. Spider Man is so. Come important. back, Luke. Spider Man is. Spider Man is so. Imp- like, listen. I'm not a huge Peter Parker fan. I actually prefer Miles Morales, but I love Tom Holland as Spider Man. And so, every time I look at this news, I just look at so like the fact that so many wasted opportunities are now going to like just never i mean so many opportunities for amazing character interactions with the x-men and the avengers are now not going to exist and it's but but here's the thing oh sorry oh no go ahead mo sorry i was just gonna throw you so so your concerns about sony about producing a good Spider-Man film. You've already brought up, you know, an example of a really good Spider-Man film that Sony did without, that was not set in the MCU into the Spider-Verse. That was animation. There's a difference between animation and live action. And that's true. But if you look at the building blocks, okay, they've had a number of years to study the MCU playbook. Okay. They are riding strong on this Oscar win for Into the Spider-Verse. I yes. think they can, Sony can build upon that if they're forced to in terms of that infrastructure. Okay? I, I would argue that Sony has only done two good Spider-Man movies. The second one with Tobey Maguire that it featured Doc Ock and the, the, second, the first one with uh, Andrew Garfield. To me, of the Sony movies, those are the only two good Spider-Man movies. And once again, I am in general not a Spider-Man fan like Peter Parker fan. Um, But I enjoyed both of those two movies. Whereas with Tom Holland as Spider-Man, I've loved both of them and I've loved every single interaction he's had with the the, um, Avenger universe. Here's, and to most point, uh, Miller and Lord are still under contract with Sony in terms of production and related to Marvel movies. They're, yes, they're doing another Into the Spider-Verse, but there's also talk of moving them over to a, a solo Spider-Man movie. So the, these guys put out great films, you know, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, uh, the, the Lego movie. Wait, 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 wait. 
did you just compare, I mean, 21 Jump Street was fun. Yes. Yes. But did you just compare that to the MCU Disney <clears throat> Marvel movies as a comparison? Well, you, I, you, you they compared... have an Oscar on their belt. They they do have an Oscar on their belt, and they've made hundreds of millions of dollars for their 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 perspective companies. Like it, they are successful directors, writers, producers, and are capable of taking a great actor like Tom Holland, who has really made Peter Parker his own and put his own spin on it, and. I I trust them to integrate, you okay. know, um, especially uh, just, after the rumors where apparently Marvel canned um, Tom Holland's cameo in Venom. So that like I, I I have a hard time rooting for Disney in this situation with them trying to like monopolize a character that they don't own anymore. Mel, what say you? Well, I'm kind of in the, this is probably just some kind of negotiation tactic, because if we're talking Sony money versus Disney money, Disney's money is, is long. It's, it's long. Indeed. So, it, mm, mm, let's just think about that for a second. So, <sighs> the way... <laughs> The way that this whole thing is going to play out, we don't know. But do at some point, do I think that Sony and Disney are going to come back together to the table at least and try to maybe work something out? I think at some point it has to happen. So I'm just kind of waiting for that moment. I absolutely think Sony is going to take their stab at Spider-Man. They're going to do whatever it is they need to do. However, movie, whatever they want to produce, and then they're going to see the results. And then I feel like we're going to be right back where we were. Sony's going to come back to Disney and be like, okay, so what do we want to do? What's, what's the plan? What needs to happen here? I, I really enjoyed Venom, okay? I, I, I like that movie a lot. Like, it's on stars. I watch it every once in a while. I like it. I just do. It's, it's fun. Granted, I, I don't know if they're going to try to put you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man with Venom for the next movie. I don't know. I also don't know how that's going to work out because like Luke, like you were saying, like they're two very different styles. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, if, if is there a way it could work? Absolutely. You just have to find it. So I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm willing to give it a shot because I enjoy Spider-Man. Like, Peter Parker, growing up, Peter Parker was my Spider-Man, like, period. So I always have a spot, soft spot for Peter Parker. So I'm willing to give everything a shot and hold all of my, most of my thoughts, because y'all know I'm going to have something to say, most of my thoughts for after everything plays out. Um, also on the Disney front, because Disney now controls our 90% of our entertainment lives, we had two Star Wars related trailers drop. We had the Rise of Sky another Rise of Skywalker trailer in which it looks like Rey may have gone to the dark side. And we had a mo- maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, the the shadowing of her character ma- ma- makes it questionable. And then we had a Mandalorian trailer. Mo, what did you think of both of these? Well, if I have to pick one, I really like the Mandalorian trailer. It gives you an overall sense and a feel of that world 
or worlds that in which the show is going to take place fair it felt really much like some sort of western and i've i've read that and other people have come thought of it as a, a feeling as a western uh, very much like a gunslinger s coming to town coming to get collect this bounty really looking forward to it dropping in november it looks fantastic it you i mean to think that this is going to be on a streaming service i'm really curious to find out what the budget is for the mandalorian because it looks absolutely gorgeous i am absolutely Uh, convinced that disney plus is going to spend whatever possible money that they can on any of these shows that come out because they want to decimate netflix and they are going to be able to they are going to provide whatever kind of budget it takes to get every single person on this planet's streaming dollar well, it, they're certainly going to take a loss and as a loss leader uh, initially because they keep slashing the price on on the on the um, the, uh, the streaming service. I mean, apparently, if you went to D twenty three, I believe, and you could sign up and get essentially like a free year, um, but after you've had it for a period of time, it's it's ridiculous. And now they're packaging uh, Disney Plus. With ESPN and Hulu, and it's supposed to be thirteen dollars, I believe, essentially the price point of Netflix. So the the price that, point that of, Netflix, of Netflix. Uh, let's tell you. Let me tell you this. I'm paying seventeen dollars a month for Netflix at the moment, and Netflix's quality of shows is going downhill. And whereas if I can pay thirteen dollars a month for Disney Plus, have the Marvel and Star Wars universes in there, like. And now the well, Fox and now the Fox stuff. I mean, between for thirteen dollars a month, well, I already get Hulu free through Spotify. But like thirteen dollars for for the Disney archive that is now Disney and Fox. Hell yeah! Well, you're not even paying if you just get Disney Plus. You're paying like seven. I right. mean, it's even cheaper. So I mean, but if you want those other things like Hulu and ESPN, that that's a as a bundle. But uh, getting back to the getting back to the rise of the Skywalker trailer. Uh, you know, I thought it was all right. I, I feel like it was half of it was, you know, setting the stage, going through the whole saga. I don't need, I personally didn't need film footage for 40 years ago. Okay. I knew, I know the journey. Okay. I understand the journey. I was here for the new stuff. Okay. I want a new trailer. Quite frankly, I, I was already sold on it didn't necessarily need this trailer unless it was going to give me a little bit more to whet my appetite, which the double lightsaber and, and Ray kind of looking like she's going to turn to the dark side. has sold me get a little bit more of the emperor. I'm perfectly fine. You know, at, at this point, you know, I'm waiting for December to roll around. Dan, what did you think? I'm really excited about the Mandalorian. The, that trailer looks amazing. And I was so on the fence about getting Disney plus. I was like, Oh, another streaming service that I, I just, I have to get, I don't know. They don't even have a Muppet show on there. I'm still waiting for Disney plus to announce that we're going back to Pine Valley and Landview. Just throwing that one out there. Disney plus call me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but really though, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. I I really I think it's going to be a cool look into the Star Wars universe. I think the cast looks amazing. Uh, I'm as soon as I saw Carl Weathers, I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. 
Uh, and you know, with John Favreau, like doing all of the production stuff, I'm, I'm really, I'm just really excited to see his, his take on the star Wars universe. I, I actually think that you're going to see the Muppets because that trailer for Disney plus that came out opened with Kermit. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure we'll see it in some, in some capacity. I'm just like anything new or any, like, cause Disney there has is- there is. I, I was gonna say there is a new there is a new Muppet show coming to Disney Plus. It's an unscripted series. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Variety, Deadline. They reported on it about a week ago. Okay. Um, yeah, and it was announced at D twenty D twenty three. Okay, I so just, I, just throwing that in. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I missed that. I, that's exciting. That's cool. Disney hasn't quite figured out. The Great Muppet. Muppet Caper is one of my all-time favorite movies. Just saying. Like, I, I, I really like the first movie that they tried to do, like, that Disney tried to do with the Muppets. The second one was kind of meh. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm. that's exciting. That's really cool. Uh, but, yeah, no, the the Rise of the Skywalker, I'm kind of with Mo on this one where I, I didn't need the 40 years of found footage and uh, just all of that lead-up stuff. And I, I'm... Yeah, it's cool and all of that. I'm more excited about the return of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi in his own Disney Plus streaming show that will come out by the time I turn old and gray. And he will... (laughs) Because, you know... Like most of the stuff that they're announcing at D23, it's like, yep, we announced this. We're going to sit on our hands and you'll get it by 2021. Because, like, that's but, kind but of don't, how I... But don't you... To be fair to Disney on that, they have released a very wide... They have released a very comprehensive Avengers, like, rollout schedule for the characters both in film and on Disney+. Plus. They are doing that with the Star Wars universe. We are seeing this. I honestly think that what they are planning on doing is basically staggering Star Wars Avengers, Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars MCU, Star Wars MCU, to the point where it's base Disney Plus basically becomes like what we're getting with the, in film every year. But that's just me. Um, Mel, what did you think of these trailers? That Mandalorian trailer is absolutely visually stunning. Like... <sighs> As someone who has a film degree, I'm watching all of these shots and just drooling at how gorgeous this is. And I'm like, this is for a TV show. This is for a streaming app. This looks amazing. But I really wouldn't expect anything less from a Star Wars-based show. I'm excited to see how it goes. I love the Bounty Hunter theme. It looks like it's going to be great. And it's not like Disney Plus didn't already have my money because with all the things they were announcing, they had my money two months ago. So, and they finally dropped the prices. It's like, what, $6.99 just for Disney Plus alone? Well, just go ahead on and add that in my budget. I'm all about it. Uh, The new Last Jedi trailer, I'm kind of in the general consensus. I didn't really need it, but... I mean, I was going to see it anyways, but as for, you know, Ray going to the dark side, if they're showing it to us now, it's not going to be a thing. Like, Oh, that's a good point. It's a fake that's, out. 
that's the way I think it is. I, I heard lots of talk about clones, and I was like, hmm, I could buy that. I did, I did really like her double-edged uh, lightsaber. I, I thought that was kind of dope, because, you know, that's really her thing. She likes to fight with a long stick, so I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But no, I don't, I really don't think it's going to be it. There, there's more, absolutely, there's way more to it. So I kind of think since they're showing it to us so early in there and it doesn't come out for another three months, there has to be more. Like, And we've talked way too much about there having to be a balance in the force between light and dark in all the movies. So I definitely think that it's going to be some kind of fake out, some kind of different kind of thing. See, I've always thought that Kylo's going to end up good when this is all done. And so if they did swap spots, it wouldn't surprise me. Mo, I want to talk to you a li- about three television or three summer shows real quick that I know that you and I watch, but I don't think the other two do. Um, Krypton came back and was summarily canceled by Sci-Fi. Um, it, the season was fun, but I just don't feel like Sci-Fi is interested in investing in well-produced shows, like visually well-produced shows, if that makes sense. It seems to sort of be a theme. They last two seasons with the exception of The Magicians, which seems to have a budget. All the other shows that end up lasting on sci-fi end up being ones that are smaller budgets, shall we say. Um, Killjoys is back um, for its final season. So far, it's been okay. It's In some respects, it's like some of the tropes have seemed a little bit repetitive, but at the same time, I'm enjoying the story. And Carnival Row premiered on Amazon Prime. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth briefly. But what are your thoughts on Killjoys and uh, Krypton? So, yeah. So, so getting back to Krypton, I think part of the part of the reason why it didn't it, it's only gotten two seasons on Sci-Fi is because it's it's a Warner Brothers property, and it's clear that only universal television properties are getting, you know, multiple seasons on sci-fi unless they are, um, they have really good ratings because the ratings kind of went off the cliff for Krypton. Um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of potential there. I'm, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I think the creators behind it should have done a better job of kind of wrapping up, the plot points from from season two but overall i thought it did a really good job of introducing a lot of different types of superman uh villains and concepts and so forth now in terms of killjoys final season killjoys i'm kind of warm on it um i think that they spent too much time in this prison arc i think it should have been maybe two episodes It, it it went a little bit too long I'm hoping that, you know, they kind of now that we're kind of getting to the point where they're sort of rallying the troops um, to to take on the lady that we get a bit more plot progression. So I'm I'm looking forward to see how it sticks to landing. But I think part of the problem with Killjoys is that it's not really paired with anything on their Sci-Fi Fridays. And I think that's also something that had a uh, had a negative impact on Krypton because it was just kind of out there alone and and usually sci-fi shows work when it's bundled with some when two shows are bundled together um let's 
Let's talk a little bit about Carnival Row. I was looking forward to this because I always appreciate fantasy elements when we can get them on television. Um, this is, premiered on Amazon Prime. Um, Amazon Prime released all of the episodes that, over Labor Day weekend on Friday the 30th. You and I um, both watched the pilot. I will be continuing to watch. I think it was it has a solid premise. It I think it has potential for me. And I like the fantasy and the fairy element of it. Um the thing that I just sort of had a little bit di of difficulty with is I didn't feel like there was one character that I really connected to. Orlando Bloom's character, Rycroft, he was like sort of brooding and, and a little bit detached. And forgive me because I will not pronounce her last name right. And everybody know, who's listened to this podcast knows how bad I am at pronouncing names. Cara Delavigne who plays Vanette, the, the fairy. Um, she was very like, not one dimensional. Cause that's not what I'm it, but like she was very like, and I think it's partly because of how the character is created, but it, it was very so stoic and, and like upset. And I realized that, that that's who it was supposed to be, but there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a one character, like even if it was a supporting character that you could just like latch onto and like, oh, I'd like to see more. I'm not for me when we go through the major characters, there was nothing that like just said, oh, I need to watch this. I'm I, I mean, it was more of I'm enjoying what I'm watching and I'll watch it when I get to it. But it wasn't, ooh, I need to see more. What did you think? Well, you know, I'm I thought that overall it was an enjoyable pilot it really did a wonderful job of immersing you into its world yes absolutely and, and explaining the different factions and explaining the war and explaining how everyone ended up um in carnival row and and you know and i thought orlando bloom to me uh, it was kind of this merging of you know, some of his characters from like Lord of the Rings, the Pirates of the Caribbean, we got a little bit of Sherlock Holmes thrown in. And I think in terms of your broody, stoic, you know, action character, I think he did a really good job of that. For me, the, the standout character in this first episode was uh, Carla Crome, who played uh, Tor, uh, Tor Line LaRue. She was the blue haired fairy prostitute. I love this actress. She was part of one of my favorite television superhero shows um, of this decade called Misfits. I think that she was a very multifaceted character. I think we kind of got a, a she she I think it's a great supporting cast character. Looking forward to seeing more of her. Um, and we haven't even touched upon like the the flying fairy sex. You know, that was uh, that was that reminded me a lot of the scene from the magicians. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, you know, like you, you know, I'm certainly going to I'm certainly going to watch more of this. There's only eight episodes. So why not? Um, I think it's sort of interesting that uh, Mark Guggenheim, who's the showrunner for this, is also an EP on Arrow and has been a showrunner on Arrow. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious if we'll get some more Arrow-esque sensibilities in, in this as we move on. But I think... Well, now, it, now Dan's going to watch it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
we shall see. I'm definitely going to keep watching it. I it's just one of those things where I'm like because of the fair uh, because of the fantasy elements I had high expectations. I was hoping that it would be something that would just grab me and suck me in. As it is, it's just one of those ones where I'm going to watch it. I enjoyed what I watched, but as a pilot, speaking only for the pilot, I thought that it got too weighted down in the mythology and that can sometimes happen with fantasy shows where to try and put the groundwork, you have to spend so much time world building that you don't actually get as much time for character development. And I sort of felt that that was the case with this, but that's just my perspective. The character building can come, which is fine. I think they needed to do the world building. And I like the fact that they caught that uh, serial killer, that that guy uh, within the first episode that didn't yes. kind of drag on. I so liked I think that they, too. Yeah, so they did enough for me in terms of getting the story going and the world building. For me, the character stuff will come. We got hints of it. So, so I, I think it was a solid pilot. On the CW side of things, we got the premiere dates. Uh, Batwoman is going to premiere on October 6th. Um, that's going to be a series premiere. The season of premiere of Supergirl will air that same night. On October 8th, The Flash will have its season premiere. Riverdale is returning on October 9th with the, the series premiere of Nancy Drew. On October 10th, Supernatural will return for its final season. And Legacies is returning. On October 11th, we have Charmed and Dynasty, which aren't really Geek Confidential shows, but those are returning on October the 11th. And then Arrow's season premiere happens on October 15th, and Black Lightning returns on October 21st. Dan, there was some interesting developments with the Crisis event for our favorite DC shows on the CW. What did you think of the announcements? I'm heartbroken. They they just announced that Brandon Routh and Courtney Ford, but more importantly, Brandon Routh aren't co- like they're they're leaving Legends. They're leaving Legends of Tomorrow, and no more Ray Palmer. What are we gonna do without no Ray Palmer? Now it's just Sarah and Mick as the only original Legends left. Why? Ah, oh, I don't. I don't. Sh- I don't share your. Grief because Ray last season was basically a joke. Well, I, yes, yes. And he often does become the punchline, but there's something to be like, I really enjoy, I guess, his roots in being from Team Arrow and just like his relationship with Felicity and then working his way into figuring out who he is as a person and as a hero and it not just being about some revenge plot or you know know, the newest piece of technology or anything like that but just genuinely helping people um that that's always been like a really cool aspect to ray's character and i'm really sad to see him go and i don't feel the same way about losing nora i really don't she can she she can go. Bye. What did you think of Black Lightning and Batman appearing in the Crisis event? I'm very excited about that. Uh, it, Kevin Conroy is going to be doing the Batman stuff, and he is like the definitive Batman. Like, even if you have like preferences of movie Batmans, we could all agree that Kevin Conroy is Batman. 
like he is the animated Batman. Therefore, he is above all other Batmans. Batman. And I'm really excited that Black Lightning is being included into Crisis. I really need him to be more integrated into the uh, this DC universe, this Arrowverse, as it were. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for that. I'm also really excited for all the comebacks. It was announced this uh, this past week that John Barrowman's back as Malcolm Merlin. Uh, you know, they announced that um, that uh, Oliver's mom is back. Uh, Tommy Merlin's coming back, but in a different way. Uh, th- there's a lot of a lot of good stuff. Adrian Chase is back again. Uh, it it's gonna be an event to end all events, and I am all about it. Excited for it, here for it. And it was announced this week uh, that the Flash season premiere is dealing directly with Crisis. If you remember uh, at the end, the um, the newspaper clipping in Gideon's room, like it's sped up to a, a more a closer date, as it were, because of all of the changes in the timeline and stuff. At, I I'm so excited. It's actually making me excited to watch The Flash, and I haven't been excited to watch The Flash in like three years. Okay, Mel, what did you think of this? I am absolutely loving that Black Lightning is finally going to be part of the big crossover. And I really feel like letting Black Lightning in on this one just lets you know how huge this crisis on Infinite Earths is going to be. Like, the fact that we're already talking about it and our individual shows don't even start for almost another month, a month and a half, depending on when it premieres, I think is really indicative of how all-encompassing this is going to be. I cannot wait. I really feel like this crossover is going to be the one. It's going to be the one that we're all talking about all of the time, years later. I'm so excited. I loved hearing that Kevin Conroy was going to do Batman for the crossover as well. So I'm like, okay, can we just get there? Like, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready right now for everything. Um, as for our individual shows, y'all know Flash is usually my one. And I will say that it's become a little bit of a chore to watch. Like, there's still parts of the Flash that I enjoy, but them getting rid of Nora definitely helps because whew, she was wearing me out. But what so, if she comes back? What if we see her again in no, the crisis? No, she nope. erased herself from existence. And to me, she erased herself, but, herself from all existence. But see, here's the thing. Barry fucks up the timeline more than his daughter. How much you want to bet that this crisis is all caused because Barry tries to get Nora back? I'm just saying. How many times, how many seasons has this, has Barry tried to go back and save his mother? Is she That's here? True. Nope. Once you erase yourself. I'm not saying that Barry learns any lessons. No, 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 no. If he learned some, if he learned lessons, there wouldn't be any more of the flash. Okay. We would not have a show. But She's probably saying. the crisis villain. The mom's <laughs> probably the crisis villain at this point. <laughs> Barry's just messed everything up that, to that extent. Okay. <laughs> So I will just say one thing before I go to Mo on this, but my concern about Black Lightning being involved in Crisis, I agree with Mel that it's great because it um, does the scope of Crisis, but my concern is the fact 
that Black Lightning thus far has not succumbed to many of the tropes that we've seen with the rest of the DC shows. And so I'm hoping that, like, this is Black Lightning dipping its toe and then saying, ooh, it's too cold. And, like, it's like a one-time event. I don't want Black Lightning to end up being something where we end up portaling across universes like Supergirl does because it's sort of special in of itself. Mo, what did you think of the Black Lightning and Batman news and the crisis event as more um, news is coming out? So the more characters that are being added, the better. Uh, this is going to be huge for the CW. Curious to see how they it breaks up because, you know, we're getting part of it this year and the the rest of it will will pick up in uh, January of 2020. So I'm I'm. Curious to see how they utilize Black Lightning. Is he? Is it just going to be a cameo, or is he going to be more, more involved in terms of utilizing, you know, an older Bruce Bruce Wayne Batman, a sort of a Batman Beyond type character? I'm 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 curious there too. Is it is it going to be a, obviously sort of a cameo where you know maybe we're jumping from worlds to worlds and seeing what happens. If worlds start getting destroyed, you know, it will certainly follow the through line of, of the comic series. So overall, I'm really impressed with where they're going. Um, I'm I, it's definitely going to be a must see TV for for me. Um, OK, well, you can weigh in on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash GK Confidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles. Mo is at Dr. Mo 77. And Dan is at The Real Dan Pierce. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye, y'all.